0: Since 1987, the South Dakota Community Foundation has been bringing philanthropy to life for a stronger South Dakota by connecting generous people and charitable nonprofits in our state. This podcast features inspiring stories from donor, community, advisor, and nonprofit partners invested in creating an improved South Dakota for generations to come. Hello, I'm Pat Gallagher, Community Development Coordinator for the South Dakota Community Foundation. In this episode, I'm joined by Gina Karst, Executive Director of the Safe Harbor Domestic Violence Shelter in Aberdeen, and Danielle Oliver, President of the Safe Harbor Foundation, to talk about their organization and their partnership with SDCF. Thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. So Gina and Danielle, thanks for joining us today. Um, Tell us about Safe Harbor, you know, when it was established, what its mission is, uh, who it serves and and what your service area is. Safe
1: St. Harbor started in 1977, actually, um, as a call center. It was called the Resource Center for Women, and um, it was yeah, it was just mainly a call center. And then eventually, it grew into providing more services for victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, stalking, um, even going into child abuse and and um, elder abuse. And that all, that things kind of started to shift, I think it was in the 80s, late 80s into the early 90s, um, that they realized that there were men that are victims as well, so they needed to change the name and eventually changed it to the Resource Center. And then in the, it was early 2000, I think it was either late 90s, or early 2000s, so then they changed it into Safe Harbor. Um, and again, just more, just trying to reflect more that we are providing more than just a resource because we are a safe place for victims to come and stay in a shelter.
0: And uh, What is the service area?
1: So our service areas are Brown, Campbell, Day, Edmonds, Marshall, McPherson, and Potter County. So we go all the way out to Gettysburg. Um, So we got a pretty big, I think it's like a, I think it's like like a 7,500 square mile radius is what we serve. It's pretty, it's pretty large.
0: Okay, great. Describe Safe Harbor's impact on the on the people and the communities it serves.
1: We are providing services for victims. And so we are um, not only is it the shelter, but we have um, advocacy for victims if they are leaving an abusive situation and just need some other support services, Uh, maybe not shelter, but they need help with safety planning. Um, Sometimes it's doing a protection order. We can assist them with the protection order. And then we would also attend court with them. We're not attorneys, but we just are there to provide as be a support person for them and, and help them kind of understand the judicial system a little bit. And then likewise, if they're going through divorce or custody, we and they would like us to just be there with them during that process. We'll we'll stand by with them. Um, and also in working with sexual assault victims, if they have to go on to have a rape, rape kit done, um, we can sit by their side while they're having that exam done um, and then just Going forward, just trying to explain all the the ins and outs of the judicial system because maybe someone's been arrested for a domestic, maybe someone's been arrested for a sexual assault. What does that look like for the victim going forward, and um, and how we can how we can help them through that process, and then also continuing on, try to get them into a, a healthier environment for themselves and their children.
0: Okay, um, do you have do you have numbers on uh, how many people are served?
1: So last year we served, um, it was about 450 victims and that's, I can't tell you in each county, I'd have to look that up, but, um, but overall it was 450 victims, but then, you know, and and it's not just, uh, you know, that one-time thing for victims. I mean, we, it statistically victims go back to their abusers seven to 10 times. We definitely see that, um, with the services that we provide that there's sometimes even more than 10 times. But we'll continue to provide the services. It doesn't matter how long it takes go back, come back, go there, come back. We'll just keep providing the same services and try to help them get to a point where they're ready to be done and move on with their life. Um, So, you know, our service, like if you look at our numbers for how many times we serve people, we're over, I mean, about 10,000 times that we're serving people. So it gets, pretty crazy sometimes.
0: The Safe Harbor Foundation partnered with the SDCF to start an endowment fund uh, through our nonprofit savings account challenge. What was that process like?
2: Um, So we actually reached out to Christy Martin. I wasn't on the board at the time that everything started, um, but she was one of the, the people behind it wanting to spearhead it to help Safe Harbor. And she described it as being kind of a come together of Safe Harbor staff, the um, executive board, and then the foundation board to um, put the efforts towards the application process. She said it was pretty straightforward, um, but it took a lot, of, a little bit of time to get it all going together. And a big draw to it was that um, one in four ratio matched the $20,000 if we raised the 80,000. Made it very intriguing for us so that we could all work together, you know, and we met that goal, which was great. And we're hoping that, you know, continuing to grow those funds, we can um, keep helping support Safe Harbor with their expenses and ensure their future.
1: And I would just add to that. I mean, I think it also was intriguing because of the longevity, you know, the hope for the longevity of Safe Harbor. I mean, so that we always knew that there was going to be some kind of funds coming in for the agency to be able to help with continuing to provide services.
0: I agree. How has your organization grown in the last five years since you first established the endowment fund, and how have you helped the fund grow in addition to investment growth?
2: Um, I would say that we start out good. We hit our $80,000 mark, and then around that time is when COVID kind of hit our board. Um, We ended up switching over to Zoom meetings. We had to cancel one of our Mardi Gras fundraiser events, which was a big, um, like, part of our raising funds that we could eventually put towards the endowment. But um, we bounced back the last two years, we've had our most successful Mardi Gras events, And we implemented a new fundraiser purse with a purpose to also kind of contribute to fundraising goals. And because we've been very successful, um, the community has been very generous. Uh, The board recently adopted an investment structure in which 50% of our fundraising proceeds are gonna be put into the endowment each year. So we're hoping that we can continue to, to grow it and get it bigger and, and keep, keep it going, I guess.
0: OK, great. Uh, how do you hope Safe Harbor and the foundation will expand in the future? Do you have goals for the use of the endowment funds?
1: Well, I mean, I I, I have goals and I have dreams, <laughs> probably big dreams. Uh you know i hope that someday that we can um you know expand our shelter services we're supposed to be um, an emergency shelter where they're staying with us you know we, we say 30 days but right now um where the average stay has been 45 to 60 days so you know because there isn't housing available so it would be really great if someday that we could look at an opportunity where maybe we could buy apartment we buy a few houses something that we can move transition our our people that we're serving move them into like a transitional living um to be able to provide longer you know services that could be lasting because i think it becomes a hindrance for victims when they work so hard to get out of the abusive relationship then we're we're providing them the safe shelter and the facility and then we're able to get them moved into an apartment but then life happens, your kids all get sick, you're the sole parent and you can't go to work anymore, there's no daycare you know, available for you to be able to take your sick kids and, and then you're missing work and then you lose a job and then how do you pay the rent? And then the cycle just kind of continues. So that kind of a thing to be able to provide housing, stable housing for our survivors would be great. And then um, also one of the hindrances for victims even lo- leaving an abusive relationship is because they have pets. And they don't want to leave the pets behind. Um, and we we have worked with Humane Society and they have been able to help us. But if you live in Aberdeen, and I'm sure every shelter every animal shelter is facing the same thing, they're they are overburdened. Um, they cannot take on any more pets. So we're unable to house any pets that the ha- there. We worked with the, um, the Pet Rescue League. Again, that's a kind of a foundation, or I mean not a foundation, a foster animal parent thing. Um, that they are having difficulty finding people that want to take on that fostering role. And so they are not able to help us with the pets. And then we can board them at um, a couple of the veterinary places. But that's an expense that doesn't come out of our grants. That has to be um, unrestricted dollars that we use that for. And, um, and they give us a, a, a deal. But also it, that is difficult for our victims because they want to be able to see their pet. And so... They don't want to be able to go to a a veterinarian office to go see their pet and it has to be within certain hours. So it would be really nice if we had an area at our facility that we could build, I call it a she shed, but something like a she shed kind of thing that has um, kennels in it and then has like a sitting area so that people, they're in our shelter, they can go over to this she shed and they can hang out with their pet and, you know, be there with that animal without having the animal come into the shelter because there's too many other factors that go into having the animal in the shelter because of, you know, people have allergies and just little kids. It could be very difficult. Um, so, and then also adding on that we don't have transportation for um, how many of the people that we serve. And so it'd be great if there was some way that we could come up with to be able to get um, more vehicles donated to us or, and and have like a mechanic that could be available to us to be able to help work on some of these vehicles and, Maybe it would help to alleviate some of that, that added pressure for the people we're serving so that maybe we will have a greater success in um, getting them not having that seven to 10 statistic that maybe we'll have one, two times that they go back to their abuser and we, or never, don't ever go back to your abuser. That would be the the ideal thing. But so that was my very long what my hopes and dreams are.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I guess I can speak from the foundation board's view of it. Is that you know we're there to support Safe Harbor and their mission. Like we want to provide them, you know, financial stability and a future. And so our hope is by growing with growing the endowment that um we can grow the amount of funds that we can contribute to Safe Harbor each year. Um, our board recently committed to giving Safe Harbor all of the disbursements that come out of the endowment each year. And so right now we're kind of making up a little bit of that because we haven't truly grown it as big as we want it to be. But someday we hope it to be like very um, substantial amount so that Gina, when she's planning her budget, she's comfortable in knowing that she has a guaranteed amount each year. And I have to say, like you heard all the things that she wants to do. There's so many things that grants just don't cover but are necessary in helping these victims and survivors. And then uh, Gina also puts so much time and effort into these grants. Um, and I think it would be great if we could like, reduce that financial burden for her and she can put more of that time and energy into other areas of safe harbor rather than sitting there writing grants to just make sure that their finances are covered each year.
0: Okay, great. Are, are there any stories that uh, that stick out when you think of the work? I guess both the work of the shelter and and the work of the foundation.
1: I I mean, gosh, I mean, I have a lot of stories that stick out. I mean, I can. You know, we had a woman that we were helping that has four children, and she um, needed a vehicle. The only way that she was, I mean, not the only way, but one of the things that was difficult for her to to moving out of the shelter because while they're here we can provide transportation for them but then when they move out um we can get them some gift cards and stuff but that only is going to last so long um she needed a vehicle really to to help herself and so I had put the word out to my boards that I we need we need a vehicle if anybody has any access to one and the next day I got a phone call that somebody wanted to donate a vehicle to us And um, we were able to surprise her with that, that it was a minivan, so it was perfect. And we were able to, um, we kind of, we set it, put it in our garage and told her that we wanted her to come out and look for some things that she needed for her apartment. And she came out and we opened up the garage and we were all standing out there. She, she kind of kept looking at us like, "What, what is going on? I don't understand. And we're like, this, this is yours. You get to have this. And she said, no, I don't. And we're yes, this is this is yours. Somebody donated it to us. It, it is a perfectly it's a perfect vehicle, and um, and she was crying. We were crying. It was that was such a, it was a fun thing to be able to give to somebody. I mean, you know, we give lots of things as advocates all day, every day. I mean, between our time and our our services, and you know, we can get them a lot of um, I don't know smaller things. But to be able to give a vehicle was super exciting. We, I think that really, it pumped all of us up. We all got really excited. And that just that's one of those things that gets you excited for your job. When you see that, you know, being able to give someone a gift like that and then seeing her reaction and how well she's doing now, even still, I mean, this has been a while now. So, I mean, it's kind of, it's fun. It's fun to have that experience. That's That's one of many that stick out. That's the most recent that I could share. <laughs> and if...
2: All these stories that like Gina tells us, like including like this van situation, I think that is what sticks out for me a lot of the times and like during our Maria Gras events, um, she always invites a survivor to give their story and just knowing that the work that we're putting in as a foundation is helping people currently but we're also making sure that that safe harbor is going to be around for future generations because this is life. People go through these hard times. So it's always nice to hear the stories that Gina has that just kind of like secure, like this is why we do what we're doing. So
0: okay. What's uh, something you'd like to share with other nonprofit organizations who might be considering starting an endowment through the SDCF?
2: I think I would share with them is that this is a great way to start ensuring the future of your organization. Uh, We wanted to make sure that Safe Harbor is around for future generations and you want to ensure their future. This is a great way to set it up. You're going to make sure that your organization is getting funds each year to put towards their success and supporting their mission. And we also felt that it was a great view for people in our community to see that we have this endowment set up, that we are committed to Safe Harbor and the organization and its future. I just think it's it's really good representation of what our goal is.
0: Great. Um, is there anything else uh, you'd like to share with listeners about Safe Harbor that they may not know about the organization?
1: Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're probably not unique to a lot of, uh, the DV shelters that are around our state. Um, but we're in a rural community. There isn't a lot of, um, agencies that are close to us. We have Redfield and we have Watertown that are the next closest, and that would be quite a jaunt for several people. I mean, if we're just in Aberdeen, it's a 45-minute drive out to Redfield, hour and a half out to Watertown. Um, so, you know, having our service here and local for our surrounding communities is crucial for our our victims in our area. Um, and you know, I think it's I think it's important that we maintain these services and and try to be creative in new ways that we can provide services to victims like I had talked about before with the animal shelter and housing, transportation, those kind of things that we need to try to work on to provide better resources and services for our victims. Anything
0: uh you want to add about working with SDCF uh in in setting up or just maintaining the the endowment?
2: I guess it's been great. Um, having you, Pat, <laughs> you, you've been there to answer all of our questions. Our board, as a foundation board, um, members serve six years, um, two, three-year terms. So there's a lot of like turnover of new people and trying to learn more about the endowment and what it is. And that's kind of how it came in for me joining the role is that I know that I asked questions. Judon, I know our, our treasurer at the time, she asked a lot of questions and you've always been there helping us to figure out how to best, you know, move forward and, and utilize the endowment. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and I would second that. I mean, we, I was here, obviously, when, when we started the endowment, and when that whole conversation began, it was really easy for um, Christy to get a hold of anybody in the, in the peer office, Um, and they came out and, you know, met with the board and answered all the questions and um, gave lots of feedback and information for us, and, And the whole, I mean, the whole process has been smooth and easy. I mean, I don't feel like it didn't really take a whole lot for us. I mean, the hardest part was raising that $80,000, and even that wasn't that difficult either, um, because because the foundation had made it easy for us.
0: Okay, great. And I want to thank uh, Gina and Danielle for joining us, and uh, stop by again. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can partner with the South Dakota Community Foundation to bring your charitable goals to life, please find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or visit our website at www.sdcommunityfoundation.org.